The text for the message this morning and uh, as we get ready for the summer season uh, comes from the book of Romans. We're going to be investigating the book of Romans throughout the summer. Uh, Let me offer up a word of prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, be with us now in this time of reflection on your word. Your word is truth. Your word is power and your word is life. Let it be in us and let it be through us. For Jesus' sake, amen. As I said, during the summer months, we're going to be looking at the book of Romans um, and want to encourage you to come and, and study that together. Remember, now as a congregation, we have five different services on the weekend once the summer hits. Thursday night, Saturday night, three services on Sunday. So I want to encourage you to make sure that, that if you're in town, you come to worship. We'll study the book of Romans. If you're away on vacation, good for you. Don't forget to hit a, a church wherever you might be on vacation. Then you can listen to the podcast so that together, united, we can study through the book of Romans. Here at the Meridian campus, we'll be using that as our study for Sunday morning Bible class. Uh, This morning, we're going to start with a word from Romans chapter 1, where Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, the the book of Romans is an an important book in the life of the church. Uh, The book of Romans is to the gospel from the New Testament, sort of what the book of Isaiah is to the gospels from the Old Testament. You know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John teach about Jesus crucified and raised. Uh, What Romans does is fleshes out the impact of it. How does that change things? Uh, Why does that matter? Isaiah, from the Old Testament, prefigures it and, and explains it and predicts it. And so, like Isaiah being crucial to the Christian church and to the gospel message, so the book of Romans is. And it was for Martin Luther. We're running up to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and uh, you'll be hearing a lot about it. There's going to be talk about Unity Sunday. There'll be a unity service. We hope for thousands of Christians from around the state to uh, converge on the Breslin Center on Sunday, October 15. Sign-up has already begun. It'd be nice to have... uh, you know, two or three or four hundred from St. Luke attend. We, we've talked about getting shirts, and I was thinking about that. If we all have matching shirts at the Breslin Center, uh, we won't be the is-own, but uh, uh, in, in view of his anniversary, I thought maybe we'd call it the Sutton-zone. That kind of sounds nice, right? Uh, so I hope you, you come and are a part of that. The book of Romans was pivotal for Martin Luther. It helped to take some shackles off of his eyes and Calvin and others after him to see about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it is that people get saved. It was for Martin Luther a way that he saw God at work putting things right. That's what we're going to look at, putting things right. As as you live out your life, And you think about what's going on in the world around you, in your own world. Don't you come to the realization, you don't have to think very hard about this. Don't you come to the realization, something's not right. Something's wrong. 
When you look out at your own life, when you look at the world and you see everything that's happen, happening, don't you think to yourself, you know, something isn't right out there. And, and so corporately as the human race, aren't we always at work trying to fix things? Uh, whether it's uh, the government, whether it's school teachers, uh, whether it's scientists, whether it's religious people, aren't we all in one way or another trying to put things right? Paul is going to help us think uh, throughout the summer season about how it was that God was at work to put things right. God, too, would, would look down on the human race and acknowledge something isn't right. And he is at work to fix it. Now, as Paul started this letter, he identifies two different groups. And as he, as, as he speaks about them in the first three chapters of Romans, he, he really is explaining about how these two groups have different approaches to put things right. For instance, he talks about the Jews. He says that the Jews trust religious performance. That's how they try to make things right. That they say, well, we'll follow the laws. We'll do all of the things that the religious laws from the Old Testament tell us. And we think if we do these religious things correctly, that will put things right. That will make things okay with me, with God, and that life will be good. And many people, you don't have to be Jewish to do this. Many people look at religion as a way to put things right. Uh, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, New Agers. You know, many Christians view religion this way. They say, you know, if I just read the Bible enough, if I just pray enough, if I go to church all of the time, if I give enough money, if I do these things, if I perform religion in this way, I mean, we're in favor of all of those things. But they say, if, if I do all of these things, that will put things right. One of the approach that people have to put things right is through a, a religious performance. A second way is what the Greeks were doing. Uh, Paul talked about how the Greeks trust in human solutions. Uh, Paul said in, in our text, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, Rome Paul was writing to the church at Rome. This was the center of civilization, and all things Greek were still represented there. And, and that's what the Greeks did. The Greeks thought that if they thought enough, they'd figure things out, and they'd fix things. And so the, the Greeks were great thinkers, and they would think about politics. They would think about science. They would think about philosophy. And they figured if you thought, if you considered, if you taught you would somehow or other be able to put things right. It is a human experience. We're trying to put things right. And these are, are really the two main ways that people try to put things right, either by getting real religious or by working hard at things on their own. There is a third way. And Paul really speaks about the third way through the, uh, the barbarians. Uh, when he speaks about Jews and Greeks, he wasn't including the barbarians with the Greeks. Here the Greeks mean the, the wise people. Earlier on in this text, he talked about the, the Greeks and the barbarians, the wise and the foolish. And there, there is another approach, and we might call it the barbarian approach to putting things right. And that's just to ignore it all with busyness. That's what a lot of people do yet today. Uh, we put things right by just staying so busy we don't even have to think about it. I, don't ask me. I've got to get the kids to soccer. 
You know, don't confuse me with what's going on. I've got to make the payroll. I've got to take care of this. And I'm just staying busy so I don't have to think about putting things right. And we end up chasing our tail. That's really the sermon theme this morning. Uh, Are you chasing your tail? And maybe better, are you done chasing your tail? You don't have to. Do you know what's wrong with the world? When you look out and you say, something is not right, we're spending our lives, our our energy, Uh, Paul puts his finger right on this, and we'll look at this in more detail in the coming weeks. It's sin. That's what it is. Uh, Paul wrote, this is Romans chapter 3, he said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says the wages of sin is death. Here's what's wrong. Here's what's wrong. The creatures are rebelling against their Creator. Paul was very clear. Uh, this is Acts chapter 17. He was, he was uh, uh, preaching in Athens, and he affirmed the creator nature of God, the creative nature of God, that God was the maker of all things, and that the problem with the human race, we might call it sin, the problem of the human race is it's rebelling against the one who made it. That's what sin is. And it leads to death. The wages of sin is death. And isn't this true? You look at, at people dying, and you might not know anything else, but don't you, you know that's wrong. That isn't right. Death can't really be what, what anybody would want for us, whether it's dying in old age, young age, sickness, accident. When we think about putting things right, clearly the thing that's wrong in life is death. Well, Paul is going to help us to have a different way of relating to the world. Are you done chasing your tail? You know, it's cute with animals uh, to see animals chase their tail like a dog. Here's a picture of a dog. It's kind of, it looks a little ferocious though, doesn't it? I, I, that was the picture I found. Uh, or here's one of a, of a cat. Watch this. That's pretty cool, huh? Let's watch it again. Yeah, we could do this all day, couldn't we? (laughs) See, as they were considering what's wrong with the world, Paul had good news about rightness. That's what Paul was writing to the church in Romans about. He said, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, the righteousness of God. You know, Martin Luther didn't like this phrase, the righteousness of God. In fact, it frightened him. It pushed him away from God. When he thought about the righteousness of God and about how God was holy and pure and and nothing out of place, he was fearful. You know, what would happen if as a sinner he fell into the hands of the living God? Uh, It is true, God is always put right. Uh, there is nothing wrong with God. God is always put right. Uh, he is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He never makes a mistake. God is always put right. Now, that can be a little unnerving. Do you know someone that you would say of him or her, you know, he's put together. You ever use that phrase? He's really put together. Or she's really put together. And, and by that, what do you mean? Someone is really put together. You say, You know, they they may be attractive, they may be successful, they may be very confident, they don't seem to make any mistakes. And and when you know someone that you would say, boy, that person is all put together, it it can be a little unnerving, can it, when you think about yourself. 
Well, what's true of people is even more so of God. And it is a frightening thing to think about the righteousness of God in the midst of our own sinfulness. And it frightened Martin Luther. But then he came to understand that this phrase, the righteousness of God from Romans, means something more than that. Uh, He came to understand that when it talks about the righteousness of God, the rightness of God, that it's about Jesus, about how God put things right by Jesus on the cross. It's like a lampstand. Picture a lampstand. It falls, breaks into a hundred pieces. You go, oh. Someone's got to put that right, right? It's tipped over. It's all broken up. Someone's got to put that right. That's what God's done for us in Jesus Christ. A lamp smashed into a hundred pieces, it'd take a miracle to put it back together. It'd take an act of God. But that's what God has done for you and me in Jesus Christ. He's put it right through Jesus. Uh, The one who knew no sin became sin for us. Uh, In Jesus, it says at least four times in the New Testament that Jesus was like us except he was without sin. He was absolutely right and God took all of our wrongness away from us and put it on him so that that's what we are now. We are the righteousness of God. We have been put right by Jesus Christ. That's God's gift to the world. I said this a few weeks ago, you know, we should never look at the Christian faith as some kind of exclusivity. People say that, and and there's a sense in which it is, but there's a sense in which it's not, because this is for everybody. Remember John 3.16, God so loved the world. This is for everybody. Uh, Do you know this? The sins of every human being you ever meet, those sins have already been paid for. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And now the promise is anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, So whether someone is Jewish or Muslim or New Age or atheist or Christian, there's a sense in which it doesn't matter where they come from. If they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they'll be saved. There, There is only one door. There is only one name. But the good news is that's open to everyone. And that's the mission of the church, to share that rightness with others in Jesus Christ. And in the the lesson, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. It says, From faith for faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. As we think about the good news of the rightness of God, we see that God puts things right in you through faith. That's how you receive this. It's not something you do. It's not something. It's from faith, for faith, by faith, through faith, which means it's a gift. God declares you put right, put together, safe. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody else. You don't have to justify your existence. You don't have to justify your worth to anyone else because you have been declared just and righteous by God as his gift to you. Now, do you know what this means? It means our way of life is different than the world's way of life. We don't have to chase our tails trying to fix stuff, trying to put things right, trying to accomplish and justify ourselves. As Christians, this is what Paul says, we live by faith. He says, the righteous 
shall live by faith. This is a phrase that he took from the prophet Habakkuk. And all kinds of terrible things were going to break out against God's people in the days of Habakkuk. But, but God said, here's how the righteous, here's how my people will survive through faith. They believe, they trust, and God will work it out for them. This is our way of life. When we live by faith, we see that death's power has been put in its place. The thing that's out of place in life is death. But that's been swallowed up in victory. Death can't touch you anymore. I mean, we will go through death, but it's already been swallowed up, and you and I will be raised physically, and body and soul will live in a new heaven and a new earth. In the meantime, chasing your tail has no place. We Christians should be far less frantic than we are. Because we've already been put right with God. Death has been put in its place. And God is watching over us and, and protecting us. Do you know, I, I've been reading about the growth of the early Christian church. The early Christian church did not grow by knocking on doors and saying, Brother, are you saved? There were two key elements on how the early Christian church grew. Number one, publicly they talked about Jesus. They proclaimed Jesus. And number two, they lived lives of quiet, purposeful patience. The early Christians weren't all stirred up about, well, what's the Roman government going to do to us? The early Christian church was not all stirred up about, well, how are we going to survive in this economy? The early Christian church was not all anxious about paying their neighbors back for what they had done. They lived lives of, of patient servanthood. They were, do you know this phrase, kind of a psychology phrase? They were a non-anxious presence in their community. And they were a magnet because people looked at them and said, those people have been put right. They have something that I want to have. As Christians then, death's power has been put in its place. Chasing your tail has no place. And the good news holds the highest place. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of talking about Jesus as the only way to be saved, as the one who puts things right. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's the power of God for salvation. Our, our, uh, the book of Romans was written by Paul when he had already started all kinds of churches in Asia Minor. He'd already started all kinds of churches in Greece. And what he wanted to do was go and visit Rome and use them as a slingshot to get on into Spain that the gospel would, would be proclaimed there. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. It hold, held the highest place. That's what we are doing as a congregation. That's why we're one church, one congregation, and two locations. We're not preserving buildings. We're not preserving institutions. We're trying to steward and harness the, the resources that God has given us, the people resources, the financial resources, the location resources, that in us and through us, the one who has put things right for us might touch the lives of others, that they too would know Jesus and be saved. Amen.